God. Well, did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Let's get into this this morning. Declare it with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you. We just believe that it is time for us to rise up and be people of faith. Father, even to a greater level than we have ever walked in before, believing to see your word and your promises come to pass in our life, believing to be kingdom people that bring increase into your kingdom. So, Father, I pray today your word would be alive, it would be quick, it would be powerful. God, that it would cut into each and every one of our hearts, Father, that the chaff would be cut away, Father, that the wheat would remain, that the bad would go, the good would come, and Father, we would be people that are kingdom producers in Jesus' name. And somebody said... Amen. Open your Bibles up to John chapter 15, and I want to read it, part of this to you out of the Living Bible this morning, the New Living Translation, just for the clarity that it brings to it. And beginning in verse 1, Jesus speaking to his disciples, and this is so important, when you read the Gospel of John, chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17 are just the last few moments that he has with his disciples. Actually, chapters 13 through 15 are there in the upper room. He's speaking to them before they go out into the garden, into Gethsemane, before his betrayal, and that. And uh, so these are his last words to his disciples. Keep that when you're reading those chapters in, in John's gospel, these are his last instructions, personal instructions to his disciples. John 15 in verse 1, again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. How many know you see a distinction between the Father and the Son? Amen? And that's where many people don't do it. There's an area when, that we talk about and we believe in that is the Trinity of God. And, and that God has three distinct personality characteristics to who He is. And He manifests that as the Father, as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. And you need to know how to interact with God, one God, on all three areas. I do not, so look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the vine. I'm the vine, but my father is the gardener. And, and there's a work that, that, that is going on between the father and the vine. And so and you're caught up in both parts. You're connected to the son and you're connected to the father. They are both working in your life. Now watch it. He is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine. Look at that. Every branch of mine. So many people read this. There are people who believe in, in a Calvinistic doctrine of once saved, always saved. I want to go way into that this morning. And they go, well, if you're cut off, you were never saved. It's pretty hard to be on a branch and be cut off and never be a part of the branch. I mean, I'm not a smart man, but I could figure that out. Amen. And so he says, he cuts off it, but this is important. He cuts off every branch of mine, look at, that does not produce fruit. That does not produce fruit. And many times people say this, I, I, I'm just being faithful to God. God's not coming back just for faithful. The gentleman who, who received one talent and did nothing with it was faithful with the one. He didn't lose it. He gave back what he received, but he was called wicked and unprofitable because he didn't produce anything. As Christians, we have to be kingdom producers. We can't just be kingdom uh, 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 
uh, faithful and just sit and produce nothing. God is looking for kingdom increase to flow through your life. And the exciting thing is that he gives us, the vine is providing everything we need. Every resource, every gift, every ability we need to produce flows from him through our lives. We just have to take that leap of faith and agree with him and believe for kingdom increase. He cuts off every branch in mind that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Wow. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Let me just say, we're talking about the leap of faith. And in this, it takes faith to stay connected to the vine. It takes great faith to stay connected to the vine. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. So he keeps emphasizing increase in fruit. For apart from me... You can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. How many know that's something good to avoid? I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I always highlight things that would be wise to avoid. So I think I'm going to avoid that. Amen? That being gathered and thrown into that pile. Amen. Verse 7. Why? Now, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So let me ask you this again. What is God looking for? Faithfulness or fruitfulness? I'm faithful in abiding, and if I faithfully abide, abiding is supposed to produce. But if I'm abiding and I'm not producing anything, if you have a branch on your fruit tree that's not producing anything, you prune it off because it's sucking nutrients and it's stifling the growth of the fruit-bearing branches. Are you with me? (coughs) And so the Lord is showing that. Now look down at verse 16. I want to just read this with you. You have not chosen me. I chose you. I appointed you to go. Somebody say to go. And produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So when I'm a fruit producer, I ask, and, and, and James says, you have not because you ask not, and the reason you don't have also is because you're asking to consume it upon your own love. And when you understand that the vine has everything given to it, it's fully supplied and, and, and fully cared for, and, and the purpose is to produce. So God is always providing. I don't have to pray for God to meet my needs, to have provision in my life. The, the vine is supplying the need of the brand so I can be fruitful. Amen? And so when I'm asking, I'm asking for kingdom increase. I'm praying for souls to be saved. I'm praying to walk in God's anointing. I'm praying for greater clarity of understanding in the word. So when I speak to someone, I speak with clarity and don't produce confusion. Are you doing all right? I'm asking God to open doors of opportunity to share the gospel with some. I'm praying about being fruitful. 
And when I'm asking for those type of things to be fruitful and to bring increase to the kingdom, harvest always comes. When I'm praying to have faith to lay hands on the sick, that they may recover so that after they experience God's power and His grace in their life, their heart is open to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Are you doing all right? So when you're praying and asking in such a way that you're asking for kingdom harvest and increase, nothing is restrained from you. So I said this last week, follow with me quickly in your outline. Knowing and teaching faith is not the same as taking the leap of faith. Living by limits is not living by faith. So it's time to take the leap of faith. The Christian life is a living relationship proceeding upon a living faith in a living Savior. It is never static. It is always active. I don't just get to a level of Christianity and abide there. I don't just get to a level and maintain there. I don't just get so saved and then hold out to the end. We used to have old prayer meetings. People say, pray for me. I'm holding out to the end. You were never called to hold out to the end. You were called to possess until the end. Amen. To keep pressing, to keep growing. Paul over and over would admonish the churches to grow in grace. And Peter, and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're always supposed to be growing. But see, there's a paradox or a seeming contradiction in Scripture at times. Yet the principle, when applied, will always repay through application and practice, or in other words, in harvest and return. Mark chapter 4, verse 24 and 25, Jesus says this, And he said to him, Take heed what you hear. Be careful how you listen. Take heed to what you hear. Watch this. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So how do I hear with what type of attentiveness, with what type of awareness, with what type of openness am I listening to the word? How do I hear the word? So Jesus said, be careful how you hear because the same measure you give to the word is how it's measured back to you. Are you doing all right? Okay, let me put you like this. This is God's living voice. And when you read it, it is his voice speaking to you. So you have to be listening. Are you doing okay? Amen. So he calls us to listen. Now watch what he said. And to you, watch it. And to you who hear, what? More will be given. Watch this. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But watch this. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I'll give you a couple other uh, a scripture on this, you can write them down. Mark 13 and verse 12 is, is the same passage in connection with this. In Matthew 9 and verse 2, or Matthew 7 and verse 2, Jesus talks about judgment. And he says, be careful what you do because when it comes to judging others, the same way you measure out judgment, the same way you're critical and judgmental of everybody else, that's the measure that's coming back to you. Can, can I just give you a, a, just a simple point of advice? Measure real small. When it comes to judging others, just measure real small. You don't want heaps of measures being added back to you. Amen. And, and in an age where everybody has an opinion about everything, you know opinions are usually our, our, our thoughts in areas where we have no responsibility. How many of everybody knows what the president should be doing? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody is an armchair quarterback. 
Why did they call that play? Because they're there and you're here. Amen? So, so measure out judgment in that way. Also, in Matthew 25, you can write this down, Matthew 25, verse 29. This is what Jesus says when it comes to the parable of the talent. For the man who had one talent and did nothing with it, this is what the Lord said. Take what he has and give it to the one who has ten. To him who has, more will be given. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. How many know that doesn't seem fair? But that's a kingdom, that's a paradox of the kingdom. I cannot just be static if I'm just holding on, if I'm not being productive. Even what I have, if it is static, will be taken from me and given to someone who will produce with it. Jesus and the Father are looking for producers. This is what Jesus said. He says, I will build my church. And he commissioned us to be kingdom builders. Not just kingdom occupiers. Are you doing all right? And so this message today is not super popular. 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 Because we are a very independent, self-willed society. And nobody has any right to exercise any authority or control over my life, let alone God. Whether in the world or in the church. Amen. And so in that, but, but the Lord said, I just wanted you to get what the Lord said. It takes a leap of faith to live for God and to believe for God to work in your life. So think about this. Growth in grace or spiritual decline may be hardly perceptible in many instances. Nevertheless, it remains true that a Christian either grows or degenerates. I've had Christians tell me over there, man, I used to know a whole lot more scripture than I know now. What happened? Come on, you must keep pressing. You have to keep growing. Amen? We cannot be static. Why? Because the Christian life can never be static. There must be a continual leap of faith connected to our relationship and walk with the Lord, which is why Jesus gave us the principle of the vine and the branches. To his disciples, the question that proceeds from the parable I've already asked you, is the father looking for branches or for fruit? He's looking for fruit. Jesus emphasizes that he called us to go forth and to bear. I appointed you to go and to bear fruit or to bring increase into the kingdom. Praise God. So God's will for every life is a continual flow of kingdom increase through your life. When I put my offering in the offering envelope, when it says name your seed, that's the name of my seed every time. A continual flow of kingdom increase for my, through my life. Father, thank you. I'm praying. Father, thank you for this provision. I'm tithing off of your provision in my life. And I'm giving. And through my giving, I'm sowing into kingdom increase. I thank you. There will always be a continual flow of kingdom increase through my life. I want to live to build the kingdom of God. I'm doing all right. So that becomes our passion when we understand that. It is a flow that comes from being connected to the vine, which always requires a leap of faith. He has designed each and every person to have significance in his kingdom. Every one of you matters to God. You matter to God. You, you, we're like the orchestra. It took every instrument. You can have music with just one person. You can sing a cappella, but it's better with more. 
Amen? It's just better with everybody adding their talent and their abilities together. He's designed us all to have that significant, to bring increase to the body. To be a vital part of the fabric and structure of his church. His dwelling place. He calls us to a leap of faith. Believing that we can be used by God to bring increase into his kingdom. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was built by those who had specific skill. And there's so many things. Now, we don't have time to read. I'm read a portion of it. But so many different gifts and talents were used. God's house of worship has always been financed, furnished, built, and functioned through the generosity and skills of God's people. Those who take the leap of faith to be used by God. And we're talking about the tabernacle, then we're going to talk about the spiritual house of the church today. Exodus 25 and verse 1, watch it. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering and this is the offering which you shall take from him. Gold, silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin. We're going to have new chairs with goat's hair when we go over across the street and on TV. Anyway. With goats here, ram skins, dyed red, badger skin. Badger skins would be cool for our curtain drapes. Amen. And acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among. So what? God says, I, I want a tabernacle. I want a sanctuary to meet with you, but the people are going to come together, and I've already put in them all the gifts and the ability. Man, they hammered out. The, the, the candlestick the, 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 in, the, in the sink out of one piece of metal. A guy knew how to do that, to forge it out of one piece of metal and to build the ark and to cover it and to do the laver and, and to do everything that went with God gifted people to build what he was asking for in the earth. Do you understand that? God gifts you to bring forth what he wants to accomplish in the earth. Here it was a tabernacle. In our day, God's building a spiritual house and a spiritual tabernacle. Can you say amen? So that, but, but why? And let them make me a sanctuary. Get this. That I may dwell among them. Are you with me? So his goal was to be able to dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so shall you make it. You see, today God's house still functions and flourishes because of the generosity of God's people who are willing to choose to be assembled together to form a place of God's inhabitants by His Spirit. Now, I'm going to jump ahead of myself just a little bit. When we come together, there's supposed to be a sharing of the abilities that we have together. There's a spiritual sharing. You should desire to be fruitful in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. We are not a church that is afraid to have tongues, interpretation, and prophecy, words of knowledge, gifts of healing, words of wisdom. We want it all. Amen. We, we, and so, but the only way it happens is that God flows through people to manifest. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person. So there have to be people who take the leap of faith to be fruitful in spiritual things. Are you doing all right? So encourage you. Let me just encourage the man. If you haven't been part of our men's Bible study, we're going to start a whole new series that we're going to go through on being men of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start tomorrow night. Come join us at 6.30. Amen. That's our commercial break. I've been watching these services about halfway through. They break for a commercial. So that's our men's ministry commercial break. Praise God.
So watch this. Who are willing to be chosen to be assembled together to form the place of God, the place God inhabits by His Spirit. Read with me from the Amplified Bible. It's there in your outline. Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, and aliens excluded from the rights of citizens. But you now share citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself. You belong to God's household. Now what? You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. So Jesus is, is the corner foundation of everything we build. In him, what? The whole structure is joined, bound, and weld together harmoniously, and it continues to rise, grow, and increase into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. The God told Israel in the desert, build me a tabernacle. Here, Paul is saying, we build God a house. And the purpose was that his presence, and he might be there, and he might dwell there. Now what? Presence in the Lord, in him, and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, dwelling place of God by and through the Spirit. The heart of God is that when we come together, we assemble. Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because when we assemble what you have and what I have, we come together and together we, we frame it and we build the structure called the church, the house of God. And, and it's a spiritual house and God inhabits that place by his spirit. Amen? Oh. So if everything God has put in our lives, yeah, I'm trying to get excited. Come on. I, just, I always go like this. Man, if we believe this stuff, we go, you me, you me. We can come together and we can do this thing. And God, God will show up. Yes. Yes. If you want him to. Well, no, when he shows up, he gets personal. Only for your benefit. You know, I've never had God say anything to me that was detrimental to my relationship with Him. Every time God speaks into my life, it's only to improve my relationship with Him. How many know He's a good Father? Amen. Hallelujah. So watch it. So if everything is God put into our lives is for the purpose of increase and multiplication, as he declared in his first statement in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply, prosper, produce, fill the earth and take charge, then we must be willing to take the leap of faith that is required for us to see kingdom increase and multiplication flow through our life. It's always going to take a leap of faith. People, people do that. Well, I would... But, I would, I would prophesy. I'd give a message and tell. But what if nobody interprets? Who cares? Go there anyway. Amen. How do you learn except by experience? The church is the only place where, where, where we condemn people out of being growing in the Lord. Amen. Well, I believe that person just prophesied out of his flesh. At least they were trying. You're just judging. Now I'm preaching. Amen. And so, well, I, I, don't, I don't, oh, man. So what? 
So the leap of faith is the, get this, the leap of faith is the action on our part with his declared purpose for our lives. I can give you, look, John 15 is God's declared purpose for your life. Be fruitful. Produce much fruit. I, I told you a couple of weeks, kingdom fruit is souls. And I don't mean this negatively. And I, we pray and we believe in praying. We call ourselves to prayer. But prayer is not an answer. Prayer is what you do in between producing. Prayer is what empowers producing, is not a replacement for producing. Well, I'm an intercessor. Good. After you intercede, go win somebody to the Lord. Well, no, I just pray for people to go. Because I just stand on this scripture, pray the Lord would send out laborers. I'm just praying God send anybody but me. <laughs> Doing all right. No. So, so we, have, we have all kinds of religious excuses. And substitute for being fruitful. But the leap of faith is the action on our part in agreement with his declared purpose. Listen, I just said, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. That's declared purpose. For you to be a blessing and bring spiritual benefit and increase into people's lives. That, that's the, but it takes a leap of faith to believe, to prophesy, to have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, to lay hands on the sick. Are you with me? You see, there's always a corresponding action in faith that releases his promise through our life. We said last week, either something to do or not to do. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was a physical house. The church is a spiritual house. For our church, if we are alive, we will be growing by faith. How? In new lives, new converts, new disciples, new ministries, new outreach, new miracles, breakthroughs, in answers to faith-filled prayers and actions. Amen? If we're alive, we have growth. Think about it. Our life in Christ always requires answering the call and taking the leap of faith to be used by God. What do I mean by that? Faith to put God and others first, believing for more than enough to be left over. The leap of faith means in saying yes to God, to be fruitful in God, I put somebody else first. I put God first and the kingdom first, and I put other people first, believing that if I do that, if I prefer others first, God will always make sure I'm cared for. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Seek first. What? The kingdom of God. Now what? And what? All these things will be added unto you. What did he say? He says you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, or where you're going to live. God knows you need all these things. But you seek first the kingdom. It takes a leap of faith to put God in the kingdom and people first, believing that all these things will be added unto you. On the back here, turn your outline over. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts right here. I'm ahead of myself, but I want to give it to you right here. In Hebrews chapter 11, you can read it through 16 times. It says, by faith. By faith. And I was reading through this Bible. was given to me. It's uh, the... the one New Man Bible, the Jewish, uh, revealing Jewish roots and power. It was interesting, as I read through Hebrews 11, instead of saying by faith, it said by trusting. 24 times in Hebrews chapter 11, it says by trusting. 
By trusting. The old acronym for faith is forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. That's the definition of faith. Faith is trust. So when it comes to taking a leap of faith, I have to trust God and I have to trust his word. 24 times by trust, through trusting. I trusted. Amen. So it's an interesting, when you read Hebrews 11, however it says in your Bible, just underline, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, through faith. Amen. That, that it was all by faith. But the definition there, I, I loved it here because it just said trusting, by trusting. Amen. By trusting. Trust is based on confidence we have in someone to keep their word. Your trust, if you trust anybody, it's because you trust them to keep their word. Anybody you trust in their life, in your life, anybody that you have any trust for, you trust them because of their word. Because they've said what they would do to you and they have kept their word. Are you doing all right? Yeah. Write this scripture down. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Jesus having the, 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 the last supper with his disciples, he blessed the bread and then he took the cup. And he blessed it and he gave it. Listen to this. This is my blood of the new covenant. This is my blood of the new covenant that I'm making with you. Put you like this. This is my promise, my covenant promise to you. And I'm sealing it, signing it with my blood. You can trust what I'm saying to you. So anytime, now I'm going to get real personal. Anytime you and I do not act on God's word, we're saying, God, I'm sorry, I can't trust your word. God, I would give, but you're, I understand there's promises connected to giving, but I can't trust that. God, I, I would do what you asked me to do, but, 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 but I, I can't. How can I trust that you'll be there? Lord, I would seek first your kingdom and whatever your purpose is for my life in doing that, for every one of us seeking first the kingdom has a different definition. Different definition. Are you with me? God has specific purpose for each one of our lives. So I'm supposed to seek that first, to find that out first. But Lord, if I do that, who's going to take care of all that? The Lord said, don't worry about that. Go back and read Matthew 6. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Anytime you worry, it's because you're not trusting the circumstances around you. You have no trust or confidence in the circumstances. Are you doing all right? I have no trust or confidences in the circumstances around me. So I have worry. You will always worry where there is no trust. And if there is no trust, then there is no faith. And the Bible explicitly says this. The just shall live by, by trust. God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. That no matter whatever you ask me to do, I trust you. I found now for 41 years, he's trustworthy. 42 years this year, he's trustworthy. Amen. He's trustworthy. Abraham said it like this. Go back and read in Genesis. Abraham, listen what Abraham. How will I know that what you said is true and I will have a son of my own seed? How can I know that I can trust you and I can believe what you're saying to me? 
This is what the Lord said. Prepare an offering. Get the animals of the sacrifice and you split the offering, the sacrifice, and you lay it out. In the middle of the night, God came and walked through that offering as a smoking lamp and a burning flame. And it was God's manifestation walking through the blood of the sacrifice. Or in other words, God declared his promise in covenant, in a blood covenant to Abraham. From that day on, Abraham never asked God again, how can I know? He never questioned God. He never doubted God. He just waited for the promise. And you get to Romans 4. He counted him who had promised was faithful and able to do what he said he would do. Something happened when I believe that God is faithful and he's able to do what he said he would do. I get rid of all of my questions, all my doubt. Well, how can I know? How can I know? Because next week, we're going to take communion you're going to hold in your hand a cup that represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and a wafer that represents his body this is my body broken for you this is my blood shed for you if you need more than that you are an arrogant person who I died for you and I gave my well you know I know that how can I be sure are you kidding me There's been such a bombardment by the lies of the enemy to get us to doubt God. And it's all rooted in fear. Write this down on the back of your outline. Fear and faith cannot occupy the same space. Fear and faith cannot occupy the same faith. Fear always produces doubt, worry, unbelief, anxiety, stress, unrest, everything else. Faith always produces peace, rest, confidence in God. The disciples all afraid. Jesus walks in the room. Look what, how many times did Jesus say, fear not? And he say, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Amen? So what do I have to do? I, I have, listen, Jesus said like that, the kingdom of God, so from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. And the violence advanced by force. I mean, you know, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and bringing into captivity every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Any thought that causes you to have fear instead of faith and trusting God. Any thought that comes when you're stepping out trusting God is not coming from God. It's not a check from the Holy Spirit. It is a lie from the pit of hell. Because the moment you trust God and you believe God, you step out in faith, you forcefully advance and you take back what the enemy has stolen. Jesus said when a thief is found, he has to restore sevenfold. The devil knows that he is a thief and he is a liar. And when the thief is exposed, he knows that you have the authority to go into the enemy's camp and take back what he has stolen. Are you doing all right? So he wants you believing that you have to put up with sickness and disease. You have to put up with poverty and lack. You have to put up with worry and stress and anxiety. You have to put up with ongoing condition. You have to put up with failure. You have to put up with all the things. No, I don't have to put up with nothing. Are you doing all right? 
You know, as a kid growing up, I used to like to fight. I think you can tell. Because I didn't like to be bullied. I was never big, but I didn't like to be bullied. I didn't like to be pushed around. I still don't like to be pushed around. I have to check myself because sometimes I can get unsanctified. I told a story, it's like a few years ago when I'm at Sam's getting gas and, 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 and a lady pulled up and she didn't pull enough so this yo-yo could get around her and get to the pump in front of her. So he thought it was his right to get out of his car and start cussing this lady out loudly and aggressively and verbally, calling her every name in the book. And I'm all the way across, I'm three aisles across and I hear him. And the Holy Ghost robe up in me. I mean, I just had a righteous thing to hit that nobody deserves that. And so my unsanctified self rose up and started walking towards him and yelling. I said, hey, shut up and get back in your car. You have no right to be talking to her like that. Who do you think you are? Get in your car. He got in his car. And I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm not sure I was ready to go any further than that. <laughs> Amen? But what? What? Listen. Listen. That's exactly what the devil does to you. He pulls up behind you, tries to point out a, a silly uh, mistake or something in your life and begins to revile you and speak against you. And if you never rise up in the spirit and tell the devil to shut up and get back in his rightful play, Jesus says, I've given you power and I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And the body of Christ just lets the devil go around intimidating them and kicking their butt instead of rising up. I'm tired of this. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to take the leap of faith. I'm not going to back up give up or shut up until I receive the promise of God. I have a promise sealed in the blood of my Savior. Amen. Think about it. It takes a leap of faith in ministering one to another in evangelism and spiritual gifts in bearing fruit that brings increase to the kingdom in being, a, in being a, a person used by God as a vital part of the fabric of the makeup of the house we need everybody how does the church function how do churches begin to grow when every member begins to do its part there's no place in the Bible that says that all God asks you to do is believe on him and show up and listen to a sermon every now and then that is not fruitful that is not advancing. That's stagnation. God calls you to bear fruit. Think about it. And more. Also, uh, so think about it. We're remodeling our facility. What's it going to require? Plumbing, electrical, carpentry, carpet, concrete, sheetrock, painting, labor, help, cabinets, countertop, and all the other stuff. Why? Also, others can and will be blessed by what is built. Why would we build? Well, we, because we're believing that God has more that he wants to do. And when we do it, it won't be just for We're doing it so somebody else, so more. Somebody say more. So more will be blessed. So watch this. So to build a physical house, you go to a supply yard and get the materials needed. To build a spiritual house that we are, the church, you have to go to the harvest field and bring in the resources which are in raw form and disciple them perfectly into perfectly fit pieces in his house. And that requires each person taking the leap of faith to be used by God. 
God needs you to come along other believer to encourage them, to disciple them, to believe that they have kingdom purpose, they have kingdom increase connected to their life. When we're going through this mission class, that's what they say. Come on, we believe we can go to the world where, where people have never been reaching. You can take the gospel and the message works around the world. Amen. And then you raise people up, indigenous pastors and leaders, to continue the building. So think about it. Faith is always the active ingredient to the life of Christ and living for God. We receive everything in Him, from Him, and through Him by faith, or in other words, by trust. I just need to turn. Father, look at. People say, well, the, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. You should turn that around and say, Lord, increase my trust. Increase my trust. I trust you. People say, how, how, this, is, this is simple. This is simple. I can make more money. Money is the easiest place to get. But when I can't honor God just with finances... And say, God, I trust this. I trust this more than you. I have more confidence in this to produce in my life than your word. So I, I can't really let this go in trust. I'll be in here. <laughs> Watch. Watch. We're saved by faith through grace. I believe this. I believe this. You can't kill me. You can't kill me. I died once already. December 13th, 1978, I died. I gave my life to Christ. Paul said it like this, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead in him. Yet nevertheless I live. And the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you with me this morning? Amen. See, I'm a dead man walking. I was a walking dead before it was ever popular on TV. <laughs> Except I'm not a zombie, I'm a glorified believer. And, and, and you can't end this life. The only thing you can do is promote me to eternity. Now, I'm just curious, what's the downside of that? And so when you understand that and you believe that and you trust in your eternal hope, you no longer are afraid of your life. Fear no longer. That, that's why Hebrews 12 said that Jesus came and took on the form of our flesh. Hebrews 2.14. That, that he might deliver them who all their life were held in bondage to the fear of death. I've always been amazed over all these years of pastoring. I can give an altar call to break fear and flood the altar every time. Because we've allowed the enemy to gain ground that he has no right to possess. We are filled we're saved by grace through faith. We're, people are going to be baptized and to, next week declaring a faith to walk in newness of life. We're filled with the Spirit by faith. We follow the pattern of those who have gone before and we believe the Word and act on the Word by faith. We give by faith. We live by faith. We love by faith. We forgive by faith. Forgiveness flows by faith. Amen.
me, let me put you like this. If you have trouble forgiving people, it's because you don't trust God. Because you distrust them. The reason we don't forgive is we don't trust them not to do something again. So we hold them in bondage to the debt of unforgiveness. And sin and transgression can never be repaid. It can only be forgiven. Your sin, my sin, has to be forgiven. You can't repay. How how much do they owe you? Oh, you know what they said to me. Okay, so how much do they owe you? How much would they give you? And then that would cancel that. You have to forgive it. And you have to trust God that regardless of how anybody else treats you, He will always sustain you. And so forgiveness is about the sustaining, preserving, protecting power of God, not about the conduct of other people. The reason I forgive is because I know before this day is over, I will need forgiveness. And Jesus explicitly said, if you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. I don't know about you, because I almost started cussing with that guy at the gas station. And if I didn't went that far, I'd have needed some help. How many know what I'm saying? I mean, there's area. We, we all, time and time, we cross that line where we know we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to repent. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me close with this. Every person is living their life by faith right now. Every one of you in this room is living by faith right now. Because your trust is placed in all these different areas. I like what David said. I've been young and I've been old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. This is, this is my trust. I know that as long as I live for God, honor God, God will always make sure I'm provided for. I have seed in the ground. And I don't need harvest this week. I need to know that whenever I need harvest, it shows up. God has been faithful. Are you with me? He is faithful to his word. I will never have to worry about provision in my life. Why? Because I live by the principles of his word. And I have his promise. And he is faithful to his promise. And he assured it by his blood. Are you doing all right? And so in that. But you're trusting. You're living by trust right now. That's what you live by. You live by trust. Every, Every decision, every make is based upon what you trust. Who you trust. So you have faith. That's where we miss it. We think we don't have faith. I used to use this all the time. Which of you turned the chair over and made sure it wasn't broke before you threw your derriere down on it? You just plopped yourself down in full confidence that that chair will support you. Well, I've sat here before. I think I'm going to become one of these weeks and sawzall some of them in half. See, you, you, you have no idea. You, you, you trust. You, you trust in so many. But then when it comes to God, well, I just don't have any faith. That's not true. You have it, just not in Him. Just have a paradigm shift. Just flip the switch. Put, your faith, put the same confidence you have in all that other stuff in Him. Glory to God. And He will always come through. Bow your heads with me. So I challenge you, take the leap of faith. Trust God. Believe God. 
Begin and walk in acts of agreement to his word. And you receive his promise. He's trustworthy. He will do what he has said. If you'll just take the leap of faith and trust him.